Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get biblical answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Richard Harris. Well, hello, everybody. This is Richard Harris. I'd like to welcome you to the Truth and Liberty Live Call-In Show. Uh, we've got a great program lined up for you today. I have a, a guest with me today that I'm just really excited about introducing to you and introducing her ministry to you because I think that her ministry holds some of the keys that we need to turn our nation around. So, uh, as you know, this is the Truth and Liberty Live Call-In Show, and the number is there on the screen at 719-619-2344. One, we would absolutely love to hear from you today. Whatever your question is or even your comment could be about uh, current events, politics, or the Bible. Anything along those lines is more than welcome. We'd love to hear from you. This is an interactive process. So call in uh, now and get in line and, and uh, we'll be happy to take your callers call. We're going to start taking those calls after the first break, but right now I want to introduce to you our very special guest, my guest, which is Dran Reese. Dran is the founder and president of I think looks like two or three different ministries. Uh, one of them is called the Public School Exit and, the, and another one, the Salt and Light Council. And she's an accomplished businesswoman and inventor uh, and uh, has been one of the leaders in the culture war in the last many years, just leading the fight to restore America's uh, godly heritage and the moral foundation of our country. Dran, I'm so excited to have you on the program today. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Duran, I'd like for just kick things off here. If you could just tell the folks that are watching today a little bit about yourself. How did you get in, involved in the culture war? It looks like you uh, formed your own company and invented a product and this kind of thing. And But now you're fighting day and night to uh, uh, rebuild America's moral foundations. How did you get in this fight? Well, I read a book, it was called The Marketing of Evil by David Capellian, and it really woke me up because it outlined the 12 issues in America that are undermining our Christian culture. Now, I wasn't a Christian all my life, so being a pagan and a heathen <laughs> for some part of my life and then finding Christ, it was really a comeuppance when I realized that I became a Christian just long enough to see the culture of America being ripped away from us. Mm -hmm. So after reading that book, and going to that church that I went to, I went up to the front of the uh, church and asked the pastor, hey, why aren't we talking about these issues in the book? And mm. the very first issue in that book was about how they changed the, they sat down and did the marketing of the homosexual movement to America by moving the name gay-related immune disorder, GRIDS, and calling it gay, and then attaching the word rights to it to uh, make it sound like they had a civil right to mm. uh, homosexuality. Anyway, that one really took me for a loop. And then I was beginning to learn along the way. I'm just an individual in the church trying to learn. I, I'm a businesswoman, of course, but the pol political side of it was not something that was the highest priority. And I think that's why I'm so uh, you know, excited that God has chosen me for this task and this commission now is because I am 
just like most people out there, that I reluctantly got involved in politics, not because it was my first priority or something I wanted to do, but because I have to. Right. It's my duty. And yeah. I hope that I can impart that to other people as well. But that was really the beginning of it. And I love your opening when you said that we're going to talk about the Bible and politics together. Two thumbs up to you. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, we do that all the time here on Truth and Liberty. So I know in some circles those don't seem to go together. But, um, you know, the Bible actually has a lot to say, doesn't it, about the issues that we face. Um, and I, I, what I say to people is, um, you know, if uh, the Bible compares uh, itself to uh, yeast, right? And if you're going to bake a cake, you can't just put yeast in one side of the cake and expect it to stay there, can you? So how do we in the church world think that somehow we can just keep truth inside the four walls of the church? It's not meant for that. It's meant to go everywhere in every part of human society. Very true. The Bible tells us in Ephesians that we're to be in all the world, not just a part of the world. But conveniently, if you take that slice of the pie and take government out, throw it away, and actually media as well, throw it away, and education, those are the three messaging systems of the Lord that we took out of being vigilant mm. in the church. And, you know, and this unfortunately, because of that, the messaging system, had, we created a vacuum and Satan's basically taken it over. And the messaging that we have today is just literally destroying this nation. Yeah. You, you know, uh, Dran, I want to talk about your ministries here in just a second. But just kind of to follow up on what you're saying, we it, we live in a in a media age, don't we? And, you know, the, the youth of this nation especially are being bombarded over social media, in schools, uh, in entertainment, constantly with anti-Bible, anti-Christ messages and philosophy. And we over here in the church are acting like that somehow our system is going to work when we've at best, at best, a good church has the young people for maybe a 30 minute message once a week. Uh, is this realistic or do we need to change things? Oh, by far. When you think about the fact that we send our kids to public schools eight hours a day for 17 years of their life, let's see, that's hmm, how many thousands, thousands and thousands of hours of indoctrination. I, I no longer call it a public school, and I apologize to all the teachers out there who are good and wonderful teachers, but I am going to call it what I, what I believe it is. It's a government concentration reassignment camp. <laughs> yes, <laughs> well... And that is what's turning our kids in the wrong direction. And there's a lot of reasons for that, what they're currently doing in the public school system. But we have answers for all this. We have solutions for all this. People need not worry really about the fact that God has maybe left America. It's mm. that we have abandoned God and we have chosen to go after our own secular humanism in our own way and man's reasoning and let the government fix our problems. But as Christians, if we really become the Christians God has ordained us to be, and that means in all manner, obey him, honor his precepts, commandments and statutes, we're going to turn this country around. So I'm speaking personally to the Christians out there because it's time for you to step up, step in and get busy. Yeah, amen. I think it was Samuel Adams that said that 
you, you don't need a majority uh, to change the world. You just need an irate, tireless minority who's keen on setting brush fires of liberty in the hearts of men. And, um, you know, I, uh, I think that there's a lot of stuff happening right now that is giving me hope. I think there's a positive shift that's happening in our culture. But Dran, how about we talk about your organization and what you're doing now? Um, one of the things you've got going is the public school exit. Gosh, are you, are you abandoning our public schools, Dran? What is this? Well, it's unfortunate actually that we have come to this conclusion that the public school system is irredeemable. It mm. is beyond reform. Now, Mind you, there are a few good organizations out there that are getting candidates for school board and running them for school board, and they're making some changes, some changes, and we applaud that. And while we can't get every child out of the public school right now, in fact, 60 million are in the public schools, we have, but think about it, 60 million kids are going to be graduating with their minds indoctrinated. Uh, you wonder why our country is in the pickle it's in. Yeah. But what's happening is the homeschool movement is just exploding. And the reason why is because the body of Christ in the church is finally getting involved. And that's where I come in. I am beyond excited. I can't tell you how many pastors I speak with on a regular basis. I have a consultation call every week. And of course, we can talk about the Liberty Pastors events that are coming up and I get pastors from that. But more and more pastors say, what do I do? How do I do it? In fact, most pastors sent their kids to public schools. And, you know, even just 10, 20 years ago, the public schools were not all that bad. I mean, they were bad. I didn't send my kids to public schools, you know, 15 years ago, but 20 years ago, whatever it is by now. But the fact I homeschooled my kids, but that's because I knew what I went through in mm. public school. And I know the kind of secular humanist, mindset that I had and the kind of trouble I got in, I didn't want my kids exposed to that. And what's happened is that it's become extremely dangerous. In fact, the, the rate of suicide increases. So the public school exit is a great solution. So I consult with any parent out there, and I hope that there's parents listening, there's pastors listening, there's children listening. How do you do it? What does it look like? And I will tell you that if you decide to, that you are going to engage in the best of the best. That's what we Christians are called to do. We're the best. We're the best at you know, being joyful. We're the best at business. We're the best at being kind. We're the best at you know, um, uh, you know, business and law, but we're also the best at education. And when you give your kids the, the thrill of creativity and understanding and wisdom, not the routine, you know, uh, rote, mental breakdown literally that many of these kids have in a public school, you will see what made America great in the early 1600s, the homeschooling, the church schools, just America flourish once again. Yes, absolutely. Well, we, we homeschool, we've done a combination of things with our kids over the years, depending upon where we were and what was right for each one of them as an individual. But uh, I totally believe in homeschooling. And one thing I think you would probably uh, 
uh, you probably tell parents this when you talk to them, is that, uh, there's, there's an abundance of resources available for homeschool parents. And we're talking academic excellence and challenging material and all kinds of, um, you know, uh, stuff to help them homeschool. You know, they don't have to be a PhD or anything like that to do it. You know, uh, any, any concerned parent who has the time can properly homeschool. So what kind of resources do you provide to uh, parents and families that are wanting an alternative to the government schools? The best of the best. If your listeners go to publicschoolexit.com, publicschoolexit.com, and look under curriculum, you will see a finite list of curriculum. We put down there after thorough research and over 40 educational reformers, the best of the best. And the top of the line is what's known as the principal approach. That's how our founding fathers learned. Abraham Lincoln was one of them. College degree by the age of 15. Can you imagine that? Because of course they didn't have tele television to sit down and numb their minds or video games, which literally dumbs you down, by the way, folks. <laughs> you get dumber. Dumber? Dumber, <laughs> the, dumber and dumber. <laughs> the more you watch these things. And, you know, and that's what I loved. We, as I was telling you earlier, we, we had a vacation. And of course, we didn't have TV. And I do watch a lot of news, unfortunately, because I'm in politics. But I'll tell you, I didn't get an opportunity to watch that news. And I, I had a little withdrawal there for a little while. Like, what do I do? What do I do? But I pulled out my books that I brought with me and I started reading. And I'll tell you, that night I had the best dreams. I felt so relieved and so refreshed. That's what we need to do. We need to start shutting off all of this media that is polluting our minds and our kids' minds. Mm -hmm. And we have so much opportunity and homeschooling in the churches, by the way. I love this part of my job before God is the fact that I get to meet so many pastors and then give them advice on how to actually get this done and instantly get a homeschool started in their church. Wow. So what do you say, Dran, to parents who say we can't afford to homeschool because we both have to work or maybe a single parent household? What what options do they have to rescue their children from the public school system? Number one, you can't afford to leave your kids in the public school. That's like leaving your child, sending your child off to a burning building every day. Your children mm -hmm. are gonna get scorched. They're going to get scarred for the rest of their lives. You don't want that. You don't wanna to have to worry that your kids are gonna get addicted to drugs or have sex well before their age, maybe turn have the schools mess with their gender, uh, which is also, by the way, something that the public schools are doing now is that they're they have, I don't know who these teachers are, but they're literally saying to these kids, you don't need to tell your parents, just go home right. and live the way you normally do and then you can come back to school. And before you know it, at 12 and 13, they're getting their body parts lopped off and taking puberty blockers, irreparable damage for the rest of their lives. Here, it's not good to send your kids to public school no matter what. It doesn't matter what it costs you parents, you will pay for it either now or later. And so to those single parents out there, there's all sorts of alternatives. So there's the co-op system, which we can work with that parent and then develop a co-op system in your local community or maybe even in your church. So we'll help you with that, but instantly. Let, I mean, now, now, don't wait, let's get your kids out. And then for those people who say they can't afford it, well, if you have two people working, you can afford it. 
you can afford it because you need really only the cost of books all year long. And that's about three to $500 a year, max, max. But you save all that money in lunches, driving them to and from school and your time. And you do not need even a high school education to teach your kids. Parents hear me on that. You get the teacher's answer book. It is fabulous. You'll have so much fun. You'll be inspired. Your kids will grow and flourish and you'll have a have a great time as a family. And you will be rebuilding the family unit, which is where the true destruction is in our country. I have one more thing to say about this too, is about it's called separation. When we start putting our kids in public school, we say to that little child, now I'm putting you in the hands of this individual that I kind of know, but not really. And no matter what they tell you or what they say, I want you to listen to them. Now that's preschool. Now we do it to kindergarten, first grade, all the way through high school. What do you think is gonna to happen to that child? He has been separated from his parents, put under the authority of somebody else for all of his life. And when we, our kids turn rebellious on us, we wonder why. Mm. Yeah, so the the website again for public school exit, can we put that up folks? And I, I think everybody, whether you're a grandparent or a parent or maybe an aunt and an uncle, it doesn't matter. Uh, if you're connected to school age kids in any way, you need to check out that website. Well, Dran, there's another organization that you have, we mentioned it at the outset, and it's called the Salt and Light Council. Uh, would you like to talk about that a little bit? What's that organization about? Well, that's how I originally got started. And that was Matthew 5, we're to be the salt of the earth mm. uh, and the light of the world. And our salt, if it is sprinkled and flavoring the world, <laughs> it's good for something. But if not, it's only to be good to be trampled on by men. And I believe that's what's happened to the salt. Christians, when we become, you know, not just we, we move from being uh, uh infant Christians to mature Christians, meaning that we are getting going to many Bible studies, we're learning the Word of God, we've got our nose in the Bible, we're praying, we're seeking God, we're changing our lives, we're building all these things called restraint, um, and we're learning to live in our roles, women as women, men as men, you know, together, all these things, rather than trying and I've met a lot of women, and I could have been one too, where I was the man in the family. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I became a Christian and I learned, you know, submissiveness, but not in the respect of, you know, I'm under, but that I'm a support system to my husband. And the more supported he is, the better he does in life and the better I automatically do. Mm -hmm. So it's a great dynamic. God is so good. He's so fabulous. Uh, but Salt and Light Council came along so that we could have a ministry inside of every single church in America worth their salt, period. I say, if your church doesn't have a salt and light, biblical citizenship ministry, find a church that does. Hmm. So for all your listeners out there, go to your pastor, go to our website, saltandlightcouncil.org, and then look up the brochure. Maybe go ahead and print it out or call us and we'll send you a brochure or send your pastor to our website and say, pastor, I would like to lead this ministry. And by the way, you don't have to be a special leader. You don't have to know all the world's problems and issues that are going on. You don't have to be articulate in any of these areas. You learn as you go. 
What we do is we give you the tools and the equipment so that you can present them to others and start building a network of people and just allow people to be strong in their own right. And you will find other leaders growing inside the church. So it's a ministry inside the church under pastoral approval. So again, I was gonna say that if you bring this ministry to your pastor and he says, well, I don't know. <laughs> or he says, well, I've got to talk to the elder board. That's another one of those excuses. I got to say, you need to think twice about that church. Mm. You know, a lot of pastors uh, feel like it's not their responsibility to get involved in public life, Dren. Um, and, you know, we've been living under that mindset, I think, in the Western church for a long time now. But, but do you see hope in the culture that this is beginning to change? And, and did COVID have anything to do with that? I do see that it's beginning to change with the pastor, pastors worth their salt. With all the rest of them, they aren't worth the dust to shake it off and move on. So we are separating the wheat from the chaff as far as even churches are concerned. So mm -hmm. the pastors that were open during COVID or, you know, we all were a little concerned about COVID, like what is going on here? All yeah. of us were. Yeah. So we just kind of went with the flow for a while to try to figure out who's who in the zoo and what's going on here. But then when Pentecost uh, Sunday came along, that's when the rubber met the road for the churches that said, uh-uh, no, 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 I, th we've done this long enough, mm -hmm. we're opening. And for those that stayed shut and continued to say, stay shut, shame on them, because they weren't living out what they were supposed to be living out as men of God. Who, who, whose authority are you under, God's or government's? And that was a moment where it really showed which pastors were willing to just honor God and risk it all risk as pastor Cheyenne, who's i'm on mm -hmm. his advisory team for the revive california group and matt staver actually who's chairman of our board is it was his counsel was fined some awful amount such as ten thousand dollars a day per congregate if he decided to open he opened anyway yeah, and there were, uh, we know Pastor Che, in fact, I'm going to see him here in a few weeks, but, and uh, there were several pastors in California that really rose to the occasion and were real leaders here uh, in our fight. And, you know, Andrew Womack, uh, the founder of Truth and Liberty, Andrew Womack Ministries, he took a bold stand as well. And it seems like all of these pastors, you know, um, uh, Pastor Che, Rob McCoy, uh, even John MacArthur, uh, you know, that they are now, they went through the gauntlet. I'm sure they had some moments where they wondered how, whether they were going to be able to keep their church, but now they're, they're, flourishing and thriving. Um, and, I, and I'm beginning to hear more and more pastors recognize that I've got to do something. We can't just uh, sit back and do nothing anymore. Um, so if, if uh, folks are listening today and your pastor doesn't, isn't that involved, uh, but I'm gonna encourage you to send them to saltandlightcouncil.org. Is it O-R-G? Yeah, saltandlight.org. And I actually have this brochure right here, which I wanted to show it's on our website. And I don't know if you can see that very well. Yes, we well, can but, see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, working together to restore our uh, nation. Our biblical and moral foundations. Yeah. So and in there's these... the power. We call it Go... power of the pulpit. You know, this is where turning America's culture around starts right in your church. If we want to see America survive and thrive, it's the church that's going to do it. Charles Finney said it. If the very foundations of our nation fall away, 
the pulpit is responsible. Right. If I were a pastor and I heard that, I'd, I would like, oh, no, it's not. I'm not going to be that guy. Not me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so what is this, what is a salt and light council inside of a local church? What does it look like, uh, Dran? What do they do? What's their responsibility and so on? Well, they come to our training, number one. So that takes about three hours. And so they learn how to operate appropriately under a pastoral authority. That's very key. A lot of ministries going into churches may not have that kind of instruction. And so they can go a little hog wild and get the pastor into trouble with his 501c. That is definitely not what our intent. Our intent is take a slow walk into this arena where the pastor has complete um, confidence in the individual who's going to be running this ministry. And that individual comes to our training to learn basic apologetic skills, like how to handle those subversives that might be in your church. Because now we have a lot of plants in churches. So now you need to know how to deal with that. And we've seen many come to Christ as a result of that because they get invited to a salt and light meeting. So once a month, we have a salt and light biblical citizenship meeting in the church. And the pastor drives people to that meeting where these people can then get further educated on the bills and resolutions that are going on in their state or even on the federal level. And they start to get educated on some fact that maybe they're not getting taught in church, biblical worldview. And one of my favorites is Ken Ham with Answers in Genesis. He's a very good friend. I love what he does. But this whole subject of in the beginning, man evolved. Oh, wait. In the beginning, God evolved. Oh, wait. In the beginning, God created. Either he did or he didn't. And boy, mm -hmm. do we have that one backwards. Yes, and so we, we have a training program, simple plug and play DVDs that the leader can learn along. So it's a prayer ministry, it's a biblical worldview education ministry, including learning the Constitution with Rick Green and his, uh, his uh, biblical citizenship, which funnily enough, he's now using that name, biblical citizenship. And then we have uh, taking, uh, we take action on issues in legislation with simple postcards and little take action items that you can do right on the spot in church. And then we get involved in every aspect of elections, which is including uh, running, running and identifying people there at the church to run for local offices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so uh, folks, we've got as our special guest today, Dran Reese, who's the founder of Public School Exit and the Salt and Light Council. We've been talking about her organizations here. And if you've got questions for Dran or comments about any of these subjects or anything, any current events, just call in. I'd love to hear from you today. 719-619-2341. And uh, we've got a couple minutes left before our first break, Dran, and you mentioned uh, something I thought I'd ask you about, and that's Liberty Pastors, Liberty Pastor Meetings. What What is that exactly? Can you uh, shed some light on that for us? Well, that is what we've all been waiting for, is the real educational program to our pastors. Not just talking, you know, pastor to pastor, but this is pastor to pastor education in the history of America. What are founding, like Peter Muhlenberg, who was a pastor, but he also was a black robe regimen pastor where he got up and he preached a sermon and he ripped off his robe and then underneath he had, he was completely fit, outfitted for battle. So he, and then he said to his men in the, in the uh, congregation, he said, and who goes with me? And hmm. off he went with all of his congregation, except a few men. And that's the courage that the men of God in the early days of our founding had. What kind of men do we have now? They're soft. 
<laughs> we want those men. Not that you're going to have to go to battle in the same manner. It's a different battle. It's a game of words. And wait, who has the best words ever? God himself. The well, word amen. of God is what's going to change this culture. And the men of God who really know their, their material, who really know the Bible, and really know what God is trying to say about their involvement in politics and the community, they're the, they're the changers, they're the game changers. Right, right. Yeah, the black robe regiment. Um, and, you know, uh, th this thing that we are under today where so many pastors feel like they can't talk about politics, it didn't used to be this way. Uh, it really wasn't until the last 60 years, maybe even. Um, the Johnson Amendment changed the Internal Revenue Code to uh, prohibit 501c3s. Did you know you, your church doesn't even have to be a 501c3 to be exempt, guys? Um, and that uh, it, we could talk about that, but there's a fear of losing tax status. There's a fear of running people off. There's a fear I think some pastors have of not really being qualified to address this area. But but the fact remains is that God has called us to preach the whole counsel of God on every aspect of human life. And there's a great ministry right here in front of us, Salt and Light Council, that can equip your people in your church to get informed, get equipped, and get involved so that we can be salt and light. Well, guys, we are now up on our first break here on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. And uh, my special guest is Dran Reese, and we're gonna be right back in about 90 seconds to take your calls and questions and continue diving into this really, really important subject. So don't go away. The moment you believe your healing is done, and it's just a matter of time until whatever the symptoms are, are gone. You observe what Jesus did and try in your mind and say, I'm making a judgment that Jesus paid the price for me. We focus on what the doctors can do for us more than what God can do for us. Say, God is my healer, not the doctor. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Hi, my name is Carrie Pickett, and like many of you, I wear lots of hats. But most of all, I'm a child of God. Ever since I was young, my desire has been to share the unconditional love of God. There is nothing more rewarding to me than people changing their lives and then changing the world. That's why I'm inviting you to join me wherever you are, and let's discover together these foundational truths that will transform your life. Well, we're back now on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. Thank you guys for watching. I'm so glad you're with us today. My special guest on our program today is Dran Reese, the founder of Public School Exit and the Salt and Light Council. She's got some other stuff we're probably gonna work into our discussion today. We wanna cover all these things, but uh, be sure to check out her websites and her resources. This is the kind of stuff we need, guys, to get the church engaged, to stand up, to be the, the 
the light in the midst of a dark world. And, uh, you know, I think what we're doing is working. I see signs that things are shifting, things are turning around. Uh, so call in today with your questions for Dran. Uh, the number is 719-619-2341. And we do have uh, a caller on the line that I'd like to uh, go to now, and it's Jeff in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for calling in to Truth and Liberty. What's your question today? Hey, good afternoon, and thanks for taking my call. My question is a little off the subject for uh, today's show, but it's important, and would, we need help. Okay. Uh, we have an ungodly neighbor who may be dangerous who moved in about 15 months ago, and we've lived in the neighborhood for around 20 years with, you know, we love all our neighbors and have gotten along with everybody. And we had one that, that moved in that's just, turned into uh I, I don't know he's he's trying to do things to to upset us aggravate us um anything he can do to uh, to try to cause a problem but the primary issue is we love our animals we live in the edge of a large wood wooded area and we have small animals that come out of the woods and we feed them and uh and my wife feeds and and trains little squirrels and you know, this this neighbor has, has gotten to the point that if he even sees her out in the yard feeding the squirrels, he will shoot them. Oh. And he he is, um, you know, he's using a, an air gun, but uh, he's just doing everything he can to try to, 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 to be mean to us. And I, I know that, you know, we have authority in our own yard. Nobody's going to come over to our house and do anything, but... These little animals go all over the place. They go in our yard, his yard, or other people's yards. And he started out saying that they were damaging his property, and and then he uh, he just started shooting them. I mean, it's just like a, a shooting gallery for him whenever he sees something over there. But it's especially bad when my you know he sees us out in the yard or has an, uh, some interaction. We've had some uh, you know words back and forth, things like. This, this guy that mows his yard was blowing his yard junk over at our yard. I asked him not to do it. I was out picking it up, and he got mad and started shooting some more. So wow. I, I don't know. Uh, we have prayed and prayed and prayed about it, and we're really just looking for an answer to, uh, to, to how to deal with this ungodly neighbor and, um, you know, how to stop the situation. I mean, we, we feel like that we can't leave or do uh, you know do anything around here even get out in our yard and be at sure. home without right. he gets upset yeah and um I, it, it almost seems like it's because we're Christians. Yeah. Well, Jeff, it sounds like you've got your hands full there uh, with a pesky neighbor, a troublesome neighbor, and I understand what you're. I understand what you're saying. Uh, let me just ask Dran. Dran, would you like to comment on this first? Um, possibly. Well, it's got funny some that you brought up squirrels um, because we were on an RV trip and I wanted to feed the squirrels, and my husband says never feed the wild animals. And that's the second time my husband said that because I wanted to feed a deer once before because they they uh, once you feed one, then more come and it's that kind of an issue. So I would say that you might want to look up what the laws are in your area about feeding wild animals and then see what they have to say about that. And and uh, then once you know what that is, and most likely it's going to say don't do that because that's what I think it is in most states. But then I know this is very hard to do, very hard to do, but you're the Christian 
and we always do the hard thing, would be to make a nice basket of something, some fruit or whatever, as a, as a an offering and go to your neighbor and say, look, we got off on the wrong foot. We just don't want this to happen. And may I please ask, what are the issues that really bother you? And if it's possible, can we work on these together and see if they would be willing to actually talk about it? You have to make the first step. And after that, all the guilt is off of your shoulders if he doesn't respond in, in like kind. But be extra generous at this point. Great answer, Jeff. I, I agree with that. I think um, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, prayer. Um, is if you and your wife would devote yourself to praying for your neighbor. And um, uh, this is not easy again, but you know, the Lord did say to pray for our enemies um, and those who despitefully use us. Um, and, and the prayer, um, the, these prayers probably to be very effective uh, ought to be more than just uh, Lord, make, make him stop harassing us, <laughs> right? Which you can pray that and probably should, but, but to pray for him as a person and him as an individual, that God would meet his needs, that he would shine the light of the gospel into his heart. They bring him peace, bring him joy, um, and somehow make his life whole and, and fill the missing pieces. I think, um, you know, this individual obviously is angry. Any kind of kindness you can show would be great. I think, um, uh, the, the other thing would be that he, if he is shooting onto your property, that would be probably um, a trespass legally, uh, civilly and criminally potentially, and uh, that you may have some legal recourse there. We certainly don't want anyone shooting an air rifle onto your property as it could endanger yourself and your family. Um, and then uh, the, the other thing was, I live in here in Colorado in a small town and, and we are next to the forest as well. And we have lots of deer and other wild animals and feeding those animals, it, feels like you're showing compassion and kindness. The truth is you're making them uh, dependent on an unnatural food source, which puts them in danger. And, uh, and we have to just trust God with nature and let those animals fend for themselves and just enjoy the beauty of it. Um, and, and then spiritually, I think you want to use your faith here, Jeff, and begin to speak uh, God's promises over your life and over your property, over your wife and over this situation, because he promises favor and he promises peace and he promises prosperity and safety. So find the promises in God's word that apply to your situation. Begin to speak those forth in prayer by faith and uh, let God do the work here. This is not a situation that the flesh can do much about, but the Lord can do amazing things in this. The, that's my take on it and uh, Dran's take. So thank you for calling in though. We really do appreciate your question and, and appreciate um, uh, your willingness to call in and share your situation with us. Hey, next we've got another caller, Dran, on the line I'd like to go to, and this is Frank from the state of Missouri. Uh, Frank, thank you for calling. You are on the line. What's your question today? Hey, man, praise God. Uh, I just, I just want to know what the, uh, what the input or the, uh, what, h how should the Christian Church act towards Israel? Hmm. Oh, really good question. Thank you, Frank. Dran, do you have thoughts on that one? Absolutely. Well, the scripture says that we're to pray for the peace of Israel, and we must do that every single day. And we got our salvation through Jesus Christ, who was born in Bethlehem. So we, have, we owe much to the state of Israel. And so we are commanded to honor the state of Israel and to honor his people. And of course, they are the... Uh, 
the apple of God's eye, and we are grafted into the Jewish community. So do everything that you can to honor the state of Israel. They don't always do the right thing, <laughs> nor does everybody, but we have to honor what God says when it comes to the state of Israel. And those are his people. They are the apple of his eye. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so God's covenant with Abraham was that those who blessed him would be blessed and those who cursed him would be cursed. Um, and so we certainly don't want to be on the wrong side of that equation, do we? We need to bless the Jewish people. And, you know, um, I agree with, with everything Dran just said. You know, one time we went to Israel on a mission trip and um, um, uh, one time I was asked, why are you here? And um, I, I said, because we love the Jewish people. And I got the, the Jewish person I was talking to sort of looked at me funny, like, what do you mean you love us? And they, that's what they said. What do you, why do you love us? And I said, because without you, I wouldn't know God. When I told them that, uh, they, they didn't fully understand. I said, because your people have paid a huge sacrifice over millennia to preserve the word of God and bring it down. And that's, you know, and without your sacrifice and the sacrifice of your people, I would not know the word of God. And uh, Jesus Christ himself, who is Jewish, who uh, saved me and changed my life. When I said those things to them, all the defenses dropped, all the fears dropped. They, they welcomed us into their fellowship and loved us. And uh, at another occasion, we were talking to some Jewish men on a, in a park and, and uh, I asked them, we were talking about them and they, and they were, they said they felt scared all the time. Uh, why are you scared? He said, because we're surrounded by people who want to kill us. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, we need to have compassion on their situation as they've been persecuted throughout the centuries through pogroms. You know, the Holocaust was not the only occasion. They were persecuted for centuries and centuries in Europe. Um, and even now they're surrounded by people that hate them. So love, compassion and honor for the state of Israel is what we need. I agree 100 percent. So that's an excellent question, though, Frank. Thank you so much for calling in. Well, uh, Dran, we, this is a, a lot of fun. We're, we're having a good time here today. I want to take a minute and just remind folks that they can find more out about your ministry by going to, um, to the websites. So saltandlight.org. And then what's the website again for public school exit? I think we had that up once as well. Yeah, you had the first one wrong. It's salt and light, not dark, but light council. C-O-U-N-C-I-L.org. We're a council of oh, churches and a council of ministries. So saltandlightcouncil.org and just go on there. And then public school exit is publicschoolexit.com. May I say one thing about Israel? Yes, please. Okay. I was thinking about Jesus in the Mount of Olives. Mm -hmm. And they oftentimes call that area Olivet, Mount Olivet. O-L-I-V-E-T. But think about the word all of it. He gave all of it for oh, us. Yes. I know, that's all great. Of it. Yeah, it that's is. great. I love that. Well, so, um, you know, Dran, before we were taking calls, we were talking about churches getting involved and pastors getting involved. And, um, you know, I imagine that's a, in a little bit of an intimidating subject for a pastor who's maybe traditionally trained and raised and, you know, his pastor didn't get involved and he thinks his job is, quote unquote, to preach the gospel um, and that that somehow doesn't involve all of these cultural issues. Um, I don't know how you can claim, though, to preach the whole counsel of God and not not talk about life, for example, not talk about 
uh, freedom, for example, or free enterprise, or pursuing our God-given destinies, and, and, or about male and female and family and what it means. Um, how do pastors um, rationalize this? Can you comment on that? You know, that's a mystery to me. How do they rationalize this? Because really they are not making sense of what they're talking about to the people in the congregation and they're bas basically disempowering the people and they're part of the problem. So if you're a pastor today and you wanna be worth your salt again, you need to, to relate what's in scripture to the world events so that you equip the people to know how to have an answer and to make sense of what's going on. And today we have so many cultural issues that are completely, you know, coming at us like a pinball machine. You don't know where you're picking to this time. And certainly you had Black Lives Matter and they're all in the streets. And of course you want to be sensitive to the black community, but yeah, what does this mean? And then you find out that the people of Black Lives Matter were trained Marxists. Was this a Marxist movement? What's going on here? So there's a lot of things in the culture that are coming at the church and the body of Christ. And the pastor needs to take the time to investigate and get to know these issues. And that's one of the reasons, again, with Liberty Pastor, why I love it so much is because the pastors, all of these topics will be uh, acknowledged on a deeper level so that you have the equipment. So when you go back to your congregations, the pastor at least can speak it from the pulpit. But speaking it from the pulpit to the people doesn't mean that they're ready to go out into the community and which is a reason why again you need a salt and light ministry to equip the saints to have the courage to be salt and light mm -hmm. so so liberty pastors what uh, again on that is that part of your ministry or are you partnering with someone else on that where can people find more information sure that's libertypastors.com and Paul Blair, who is the uh, head of that and the pastor, is on my board as well. And so I'm very proud of that for years. And then all of a sudden, it all kind of came together with the people on my board that if the pastors could put on events where they would bring other pastors and teach real deep truth, not just that, you know, I mean, not look. Studying the Bible is one thing, but figuring out how to relate it on a daily basis to families who are in crisis, uh, children in the public schools that are going transgender, uh, you know, alcoholism and drug abuse and all of the tra human trafficking. How do you relate the word of God to all of these issues and actually not be a church that just goes, well, that's nice on the outside and but really takes it to heart and does the job of, of being activated to make a difference in, the, in at least your local community. You don't have to save the world, just save your local community. That's right. And so that's what I love about Liberty Pastors is they get that information and then they uh, suge suggest to the pastor, you know, we're not a requirement, but suggest to the pastor that they take the next step and get a salt and light biblical citizenship ministry in their church. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned uh, Paul Blair. We're going to actually have him here on the show in a few weeks. And so I'm really excited about that. Paul is a real patriot pastor, a, a black-robed regiment leader, and uh, he, he has one additional uh, super qualification, and that's that he used to play uh, football for Oklahoma State University. So, you know, you got to tune in for this one, guys. It's going to be awesome. But <laughs> that's my alma mater, Dran. So anyhow, oh, yeah. 
but but speaking of pastors uh, again, uh, a lot of people want to know. Well, gosh, how do I talk to my pastor? Um, you know, how should I approach him on these subjects? Because I love my church. We do all kinds of good stuff, but but he doesn't want to be involved in politics. So how can I approach him on this uh, subject? Do you have any advice for people? Uh, that is such a great question, and I fell into that category as well. I'm in the church. I'm just a citizen. I've been baptized. I'm volunteering to do a few simple things like I'm part of the prayer group and, you know, doing this and that. But I felt like my pastors were a level up from me, that they were holy and I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I want the people out there to know that if you're in a church and you've been saved by Jesus Christ, just know that your pastor's on the same level with you. There you go. <laughs> He just has a few more years under his belt. But the reality is, if you see what's going on in the culture and it's not making sense to you and your church is not making sense of the madness to you, you have a problem. So how you approach your pastor is that a very simple way is you don't come up to him and say, Pastor, I want to get involved in politics. Well, politics is a dirty word. But just say, Pastor, some of these biblical moral issues we're not talking about biblical moral issues. Abortion is a moral issue. Homosexual marriage is a moral issue because it's transgenderism is a moral issue. Uh, Bl Black Lives Matter is a moral issue. Critical race theory is a moral issue because these are all having to do with whose religion are we going to follow? Mm -hmm. yeah. Christianity is the only way. It is the way. It is the truth. And it mm -hmm. is the light. Right. And this is what we have to get through to people. Now, if you're a Christian, you get confused by all these other religions out there, and you probably just don't want to be out there evangelizing to other people because you don't know how. Salt and Light Council helps you learn how to evangelize in a winsome and loving manner mm. where you can have a conversation with other people with just a few questions, such as, so, sir, how did you come to that conclusion? And you let them tell you. And you keep asking that question. How did you come to that conclusion? So there's some simple techniques that you can have to start a dialogue with just about anybody, anywhere, at any time. And as a Christian, this should be our job. And do it with a smile on your face and a welcoming attitude. But I hope that was answering your question. I yeah, feel like well, it went on. No, it's okay. I, it, it was answering it. But um, so one of the things that I, I try to tell people is when you go to your pastor, don't, uh, you need to be able to present to him a solution, an idea oh, yes. that doesn't, doesn't put it all on him, right? Uh, because pastors, you know, Dran, they are super busy. They already have a full plate. And uh, the last thing they need is someone coming and telling them they need to add something else. So I take it that, uh, how does Salt and Light councils, are this some, is this something the pastor does or does he delegate this to other people in the church? Well, for one, if there's an individual out there that thinks that they would like to have the Salt and Light Biblical Citizenship Ministry in their church, you just take this brochure or go to our website and say, Pastor, is it possible that we could have this ministry in the church? Right. And if so, would you consider me as your leader? Oh, wow. And if not, can we find somebody who will? So the pastor may or may not want you to be the leader of the ministry because he doesn't know how long you've been in the church or maybe he doesn't know you or your family well enough. But on the other hand, if you step up to lead, most pastors will say yes. And here, in fact, that's probably the biggest problem is finding a leader. 
how much time does it take a leader to run this ministry? Literally, you're just going to be running a once a month meeting. You're going to, you will wind up, by the way, being, you could wind up being the largest ministry in the church and then offering courses, biblical worldview courses. And you know what? You'll be doing something so significant, so needed, so important for the church. And you will learn right along as even some of the homeschool moms do when they and dads do when they're teaching their kids all over history and geometry and all those different things. They get to relearn life and you get to see what what we missed, the finer points, the nuances that made this country so great and so prosperous. Mm. We're losing our country and we're losing it because of inactivity and people saying, well, it'll fix itself. The pendulum always swings. No, it doesn't always swing. But right now, do you really want it to swing that far where we lose an entire generation of kids whose bodies are completely mutilated? And when they get their minds back, they're going to be completely angry at everybody, including their parents, the teachers, the medical industry. You're going to have an angry bunch of people out there. And we need to to quell this anger now by being available to meet these issues head on, but in a loving and winsome way. Yeah, and Dran, now your organization is 501c3, right? Oh, absolutely, yes. So, so folks, if, you wanna, if you're interested in this, uh, you can talk to your pastor and just say, it's a 501c3, so it's safe for use in churches, okay? And your pastor will probably understand what that means. Um, and then, uh, uh, Dran, I'd like you to comment a little bit more, if you could, on the training that you provide. Like, what kind of subjects do you cover? How many videos are there? Um, and it really is a step-by-step uh, process, right? No one has to be an expert to take this on. Oh, nobody has to be an expert. Well, what we do is if someone out there wants to be trained to become salt and light in their church and in their community, you don't actually have to just do this ministry in a church. You can actually do it in one of your local uh, groups. Uh, there's Tea Party groups out there. There's conservative groups. And they need the Word of God just as much as the people inside the church need it. But uh, the training is very simple. You're going to... Um, basically go through watching some videos that'll help get you up to speed on the problem in America. And then once you understand the problem, what the solution is and how you handle it from a scriptural and a biblical standpoint. And then uh, the training is really fun. You do the apologetic skills. Uh, You go back and forth doing some real live uh, question and answer so that if you get someone that comes up to you with that question, you already have that arsenal ready to go. And then you have a table, a physical table that has the parts on it. You have voter registration, you have sign up for the newsletter, you have take these courses. And so you just have that out and these are your follow-up to that individual. So you're gonna start loving on people and building a connection group that's going to make a difference in the community. Wow, that's just awesome. So um, we were talking earlier about schools, uh, Dran, and the state of America's public schools. And um, before the show, I jotted down just three things that are being taught in our schools today. And uh, one of them is called Queer Endeavor, which started right in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, CRT, or critical race theory, which categorizes children according to their skin color. 
and teaches that America is systemically racist and some, some colors are oppressed and some colors are automatically the oppressors and they are privileged and need to apologize and things like this. And then we have comprehensive sex ed, which basically uh, throws out all all discussion of sexual morality teaches that anything is okay um, and teaches actually children how to engage in activity that God might call and does call an abomination. So with that going on in our public schools, um, you're saying parents, you need to get your kids out. But are you saying that we as the church should abandon all attempts to influence the schools like by voting for school boards uh, or maybe Christians who are called to teach uh, going into the schools as missionaries and that sort of thing. Uh, is there a difference between those two? Well, there's a big difference. And those, those are some of those questions you have to ask. Do you, I hear a lot of parents say, well, my son is a witness for Jesus Christ. He's a missionary in the public school. Well, that's like saying, you know, you're going to put your child into the, into the swamp with alligators. Are you really going to do that? Mm -hmm. You have a little inf child that is impressionable and has not matured in life and can't stand up to authority yet. And yet mm -hmm. you're going to put them as a missionary in the public school. I think that is a really big excuse that a lot of parents are using because they just don't want to take their role and responsibility. It is a parent's job, primary responsibility, to train up their children in the way they should go so that they will not depart from the Word of God. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, turn your kids over to someone you don't know and to work on their minds. It yeah. doesn't say that in the Bible. It says that you as a parent are responsible for training your own children. And what I believe is the future of America, and, and Richard, this is the exciting part, two sets of 15 years, you know, because the proper education is up to age 15, if you really did it right. These kids would have a college education. Two sets of 15 years and America would be turned around mm. if we could do it. Now, that said, this is an educational process. The church, the body of Christ, the pastors have to get on board with talking to the parents about how dangerous public schools are and remain. And I've done a bit of study on the National Education Association. And after I, I finished doing that, I said, you know what, I'm out. There, there's no way, now that I know that they purposefully, purposefully have been spending their time removing every aspect of Christianity from public schools, and they have succeeded. Since mm -hmm. the 1600s to the 1700s, America was on the upswing with so much productivity because it was homeschool and church schooling. But then they started centralizing it around the 1700s, and by the 1800s, Horace Mann finished us off. And now we have the NEA, which is funding Frankly, the NEA on their website, go to their website, is the funder of the Democrat Party on their website, all the progressive movement. So if you, they have become a political organization and right. they are getting funding from all those wonderful teachers we know and love called union dues. And they have such a labyrinth going on in the United States. And I don't know if America will survive it unless the church really starts to see the value of education as a primary responsibility of the church and of the parents. And literally overnight, we could build a homeschool movement. 
Well, Dran, I, th I think that's awesome information. There is, There are a lot of people, the number that are homeschooling is dramatically increased. But hey, we have come up on our second break now, so I need to just pause this discussion and uh, share some announcements with our viewers. It'll probably take about 90 seconds, and then we'll be right back after that. We are the antidote for what's happening in this world. But you need to see beyond the physical, and I believe that the greatest days of the church are ahead. God has a word for you, God has a plan for you, and God is raising up an army that knows how to fight the right fight the right way. You were created with a purpose written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Okay, everybody, we're back here on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I'm Richard Harris, and my guest today is Dran Reese, founder of Salt and Light Council and a public school exit. And we've just had an amazing conversation going back and forth about all kinds of things, the importance of the church getting involved and how they can do it. And Dran's whole uh, life seems like committed to helping you do that. So that's why I'm wanting you guys to connect with her organization, her resources. I think it will be a a real blessing to you. And one of the things uh, that we have not yet talked about on the show today, Dran, is something that you call biblical voter. And uh, can you uh, share with our folks what that is and uh, why they need to participate in it? Biblical Voter is a website. It's biblicalvoter.com. So when it comes time for the election and you have to vote, you know where to go. You become a biblical voter. That is all we're asking people to do is vote their values. And you don't really have to think too much because I know that it's very hard to know all the candidates and what they stand for. But what biblicalvoter.com does is it has the state voter guides. When you come to the homepage, it'll have a little box that says state voter guides. All 50 states are there, including and a variety of different voter guides from the best of the best uh, Christians that we can find in your community or conservative values. We are not left. We are not liberal. We are conservatives. We are God-fearing, pro-life, pro-marriage between a man and a woman. There are some key non-negotiable, they're not negotiable moral values that we hold in very high esteem. And so you get the voter guides. You also can register to vote. So you can put this website up in your church and uh, get people registered to vote online. You can also check your voter registration. You can also find out your polling location. And for those people who are in the church that have our salt and light ministry and now they want to run for office, 
we have a section in there about candidate training so they can get looked down on the resources and get trained to run for office. And in fact, there's some very successful legislators that uh, we know you can have personal mentorship with them on how to run a campaign and win. These are only candidates who've won. So those are a couple of the aspects, but I have a little booklet. So when we have time, I'd love to sh share with you a little bit about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, so folks can go again. Uh, I think we originally had that site up as biblicalvoter.org, but you're saying it's biblicalvoter.com. It's a dot com, but I'm pretty sure we were smart enough to get the ORG too, and it will go there as well. <laughs> okay, well, type in dot com and you won't have to worry about it. So biblicalvoter.com and uh, get equipped for your local election uh, there. We've got a, a voting resources page on our site, but uh, the yours sounds really awesome. I'm, I'm gonna link, and by the way, all these resources we that Duran is talking about, we're gonna link to the Truth and Liberty resources page. I think some of them we already have, but we're going we're gonna to make sure all of them are connected so you can find them there as well. And just want to mention to our viewers, remind you guys that on the Truth and Liberty website, under our resources section, we have hundreds of links to all kinds of information uh, that are, it's all designed to help you get informed and equipped to stand for truth in the public square. And if you haven't checked it out recently, I really want to encourage you to do that. We also have a 24-7 news feed on truthandliberty.net uh, where we pull from all of our favorite news sources. Uh, conservative, reliable, credible sources. Uh, so you don't even have to go anywhere else actually to get your news. Um, but uh, you know, we do have now another caller on the line. And before I go to this caller, I wanted to mention again, folks, whatever your question is, whatever it is, just feel free to call in today. I'd love to hear from you. The number is 719-619-2341 uh, with your call or comment. We'd love to hear from you. But next I want to go to Gladys, who's holding uh, on the phones on line one. Gladys, you are on the air. What's your question today? Uh, thank you, Brother Harris, for taking my call. Hello, Ms. Reyes. Hi. Um, Hi. I've been going to different churches here in the Atlanta area for the last two years looking for a church that I can be a, a member of, but most of the pastors, uh, they don't talk about the LGBT, LGBT agenda, abortion. They don't talk about our kids in the public schools. They only want to preach the gospel like they say. So I was wondering if on your website you have any recommendations of churches in the Atlanta area that stand up for the gospel and in politics, like Brother Richard said, that, that I can go to, please. I'm pretty sure we do. And if you want to, you can just email me directly and I'm happy to give out my email address. It's Dran, D-R-A-N, at saltandlightcouncil.org. Dran at saltandlightcouncil.org. And if you could do that, Gladys, that would be awesome. And then we'll look in that area. But you know, Gladys, you sound awesome. So here's a moment where what if you go to find a church that you think is within striking distance of of having you know the values that you want you know and then you know the trinity and all the things that we want as a christian believer but that you like to go to that's within a fairly good driving distance from your house and why don't you step up and be the salt and light leader at that church mm. all it takes is one person and gladys maybe today it's you you are a perfect leader you care you're looking for a church that's doing that. And here's the problem. Maybe there isn't a church in your, in your local area. So now if you offer this service to them, 
and you come to our training, then you would be equipped and they will more likely put a ministry like this in the church. We would be, mm. we would be so delighted to have you, Gladys. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> well, Gladys, thank you so much for calling in today. Be sure to check out uh, Dran's websites and uh, to get more information on that. Well, uh, so Dran, you had mentioned uh, that you have a booklet on Biblical Voter and that you'd like to share a little bit about that. I want to give you that opportunity now. What is it in that booklet that we need to know? Well, the name of the booklet, the Biblical Voter Booklet, it's a step-by-step -step guide to biblical voting, everything you need to know to save America. And what this is, is actually for pastors and citizens, it has election sermons in here, mm. which is what we want our pastors to do before elections. But it also outlines, you know, here's the thing. As Christians, we stand on the Word of God. That's our platform, right? Mm -hmm. Democrats, they have... Let's see, I think we're opposite here, so what's the left side? Democrats have <laughs> written platforms that they stand on. Ditto. Do the Republicans have written platforms that they stand on? So now you have these two political parties that have platforms, and this is their gospel, what they stand for. So as a Christian, you're in the middle looking at both of these parties and saying, how do I align my values with the party that best represents me. And here we have really a Psalm 1 moment. If you're gonna stand in the way of the sinner or walk in the way of the wicked or sit in the seat of the mocker, you have to decide what is, the, what is your soul worth? Mm. What is your soul worth? Are you gonna give up your soul for the vote? You have to be with a party that represents you. So I'm gonna to read to you, there are 60 contrasts in this booklet, which you can go to biblicalvoter.com and every church should buy a ton of these and give them out. And Salt and Light Ministries are right now training on this to their congregations. This is a training manual. Everybody needs to hear the differences, the contrast from a biblical, constitutional, and moral standpoint. So just a few, I'm just gonna read a few. So Okay, okay. yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, so, um, the differences in the parties. And you can guess who says what. One mentions Bible, the other doesn't. One mentions divine, the other doesn't. One mentions creator, the other doesn't. One mentions prayer, the other doesn't. One mentions pastors, the other doesn't. One mentions preaching, the other doesn't. One mentions morality, the other doesn't. One mentions Judeo-Christian heritage, the other doesn't. One mentions traditional religious beliefs, the other doesn't. I'm gonna skip ahead. Mm. One mentions God bless America, the other doesn't. Really? One mentions Christian eight times and Muslim one time. The other mentions Christian one time and Muslim eight times. Mm. One mentions God 15 times and LGBT zero. The other mentions God one time and LGBT 26 times. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, that's a wow. I, I could do a lot more, but the other things that are in this booklet are the five non-negotiable moral values that I told you that every voter needs to set as the priority when they're deciding on who they're gonna vote for. And frankly, if they are not a pro-life candidate to start with, all the rest of it literally falls apart. And then after that, it's the marriage issue. 
and then sexuality and the okay. stand on Israel as your previous caller. And then we also have the 12 things that you can do in between elections and the um, uh, 12 ways that you can impact every election. Oh, what you do during the elections and what you do in between elections. <clears throat> so it's a really fabulous, I'm losing so, my voice, small, okay. but wonderful book. So how do people get it? I'm sure they go on one of your websites. Is it biblicalvoter.com? Well, again, if you go to saltandlightcouncil.org, you're going to see uh -huh. a suite of ministries. They're all there to support the church. Okay. Biblical Voter you can find and Public School Exit you can find right there on that homepage. Wow, that's amazing. And Dran, so I take it that you um, have <laughs> expenses in your ministry just like anybody else. And uh, can people support you financially? Oh, that would be just awesome. Thank you for saying that. I would really appreciate. Yes, we need uh, we need all the donations that any of you out there can spare. Our ministry works 24-7. We all work tirelessly for this job. Um, we have a very small staff doing a, a mountain full of work, and uh, your money will go to good use. Oh, and we do a quarterly report. I just fit, completed our quarterly report. So for all of our donors, they get to see all the activities that we do for the three months uh, prior. So it's really exciting. And you have just made it into my quarterly report. <laughs> well, fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, I want to kind of shift gears a little bit. I think. Um, there is so much happening right now. It kind of depends a little bit on what you're focused on. And if we focus on all the bad news, uh, you know, there's a tendency, I think, to get discouraged, maybe think that it's hopeless. Um, but, you know, God is a big God. And it's like you said earlier, I think that he, he hasn't uh, written America off. We've written him off. Um, and, and if we'll come back to the Lord, I know, and I'm hundred percent confident that he will heal America and, and restore to us our divine purpose. Do you see signs that that's happening in our country today? I'm seeing some pretty encouraging headlines. What do you see? Oh, I'm definitely seeing the headlines. We're starting to win at the Supreme Court level uh, for religious freedom. We just had, you know, the you can fly the uh, Christian flags now over uh, city count, city halls. You can. We even had for COVID where the the uh, healthcare workers uh, who were fired because they didn't take the vaccination uh, not only got their jobs back, they got back pay and a little stipend on top of that. So we're winning in cases like that. We're winning just about everywhere. It's just that we never get to hear about it in the media nearly as much because all we ever hear is bad news. But we are getting kids out of the public school. We are seeing churches open up and there's a whole new wave of, of a movement here in our country. And I'm excited about it. And I'm grateful that God has not given up on us, but it does require that, that we all, all hands on deck. We have been infiltrated. This country yeah. has been infiltrated by communism. This yeah. current administration, I don't know what they're thinking, but everything that is wrong, they do. Everything that's wrong, everything that's backwards, they're doing. It confounds our minds as Christians and as conservatives. It's confounding. Mm -hmm. So we can't, we can't trust our government anymore. We can't trust the medical industry anymore. We can't trust education, and we definitely can't trust media. So where does that leave people like Christians? That means we have to start alternatives. And mm -hmm. you're an alternative. Look at this. Look what you're doing. Right. Praise God for you and Womack Ministries. 
So you are bringing the real news to people where people are encouraged and excited. And the fact that we talk about the bad things out there, but we talk about how we make a difference because that's what Christians do. We love the word of God. We love, we're protected. You know, God has, he surrounds us. He opens up that door and he lets the bad guys out and he brings into our life that which, and protects us completely. So our job is just to go out and to be his hands and feet out there in the community. Well, Dran, it's like, um, you know, I think sometimes people look at the situation and it feels uh, overwhelming, like this is too big, what can I do? I can't make a difference. Um, but the truth is that um, nobody, it, this doesn't rest on any one person, does it? Uh, that all God is calling us to do is to, is to step into the fray to do our part, right? And I suspect that that's my, maybe how you felt when you first got started in this area. Can you comment on that to folks that maybe they want to make a difference, but they feel like the job's too big for them? Well, I didn't try to take on the entire nation as I am right now in a bigger <laughs> way because I've got more maturity. <laughs> but in the very beginning, all I wanted to do was to make a difference in my church with the people there in the church. And a really good pastor would actually get the people to face out the door equip them to go out the door to be salt and light in the community, not to keep looking at him and coming on Sunday just to hear his sermon, because that's, what's it, what good is that? That's just, you know, you're, you're getting fed on Sunday, but then you're fasting the rest of the week. And, and how are you going to live a life as a real Christian during the rest of the week? So what's happened is we have now a culture that is completely filled with so much dysfunction in it. There's dysfunctional families everywhere you turn, and they're all in the church too, which is a beautiful thing. I was actually thinking about that this morning, that the church will never end. It will never end because people always eventually come to the end of the line. They always come to the end of that line and that rope, and they say, where do I go, where do I go? And whether they like it or not, they do wind up turning to the church because they realize that all these years they have denied God and walked away from God but that's always, that is the answer. God is the answer. And I, I think that we're going to be seeing a lot more people coming to Christ because there's no solving the media problem except we start our own alternative media. There's no stopping this the lies and the censoring of social media, of which I've been censored. I've been uh, shadow banned on all of my social media accounts. Uh, but... There are other social media accounts now that are cropping up for Christians to join in. And I would suggest all your listeners to actually investigate those alternatives out there. There's one called uh, Foundations of Freedom. There's Truth Social. There's a bunch of others out there that are coming along. And if you want to know what they are, uh, please again email me and I'll be happy to share with you some alternatives. And of course, media with the Internet. Uh, fabulous. You have tons of alternative media. There's no reason to watch CNN, MSNBC, or Fox News, or any of these guys that are all woke. Right. That's absolutely true. I, I never look at uh, CNN or MSNBC unless I intentionally am trying to find out what the other side is saying. <laughs> There's just no value to it. But, you know, uh, something you mentioned uh, is that I love it that, that the pastors ought to be uh, equipping the church to face outward, out the back door, right? right. Um, you know, Ephesians chapter 4 says, He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers 
for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Um, you know, I think too often we as Christians think that it's the pastor's job to do these things. It's the pastor's job to confront uh, the culture, to raise up candidates, to do all this sort of thing. But the, the real truth is that God has ordained him to train people in the church to do these things. And, um, and it, I think the sooner we uh, can get that mindset shift, the better and more healthy the church is going to be and the more effective we're going to be. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. You hit it 100 percent. And the other interesting part is that we're still in a, in a mindset where most of the men are still going to jobs. So weirdly, it does wind up being a very women-driven ministry. And I, I didn't intend for it. I was hoping for more couples, men and women together. But women have a little bit more time on their hands and because they are the protectors of the children. So when you start to think about that, the mama bears are rising up and they can be very effective in a church if the pastor will uh, uh, agree to have a ministry like this and then set the leadership and just let them go. They will make a huge difference in the community. And I, I, I believe we really could turn this, this whole thing around, just starting locally, working in your local school boards for that matter. As much as I think you're not gonna solve the world's problems with the schools, the fact is that you're keeping the subject alive. Yeah. Oh, look what's going on in the public schools. And how about what they're teaching? You know, I actually was at an event just recently at a Korean church. The Korean church is starting to step up big time and the Hispanic church. So I spoke at both of their churches. But this one lady showed uh, pictures of the school teaching the children to eat insects. Oh, lovely. Insects. <laughs> okay. Right. They want them to eat crickets and, and uh, locusts and other types of animals. Why? Because they're trying to get rid of our meat source uh, and get yes, the kids brainwashed for crickets and insects. Is that something? Yeah, wonderful. Well, so um, we have about 10 minutes left in the show, Dran. Uh, we have another caller who's calling in right now. Um, and I want to go to this caller and shift back a little bit, if we can, to this homeschooling issue. I think that's what this caller wants to know. So, Sandy, yeah, you are on the line here. Thank you so much for calling in to Truth and Liberty. Do you have a question for Dran Reese today? I do. Thank you so very much, Richard and Dran. So good to talk to you guys. Uh, my question was for, I love homeschooling, and that's great, and I'm so blessed to be able to do that with my son. But I have so many people in my community who are like, I just can't do it. I either have to, like, work to put food on the table and feed my kids or have them at home and homeschool them, but then we don't get to eat. <laughs> so what options are, and resources are there for people who really see the problem but don't necessarily have those resources to maybe do that. Well, congratulations for, for also being a homeschool mom. Uh, now also, just for your sake, you can offer your services. So if you want to make a little money on the side, these, home, these other families that don't feel that they can do it might be able to tap in with you and you can make a little extra income on the side. So there's that opportunity and that's called co-oping. But again, for those parents, it's really an education on their behalf to understand the level of harm that the public schools are doing to their kids, because no parent in their right mind would leave their kids in a dangerous situation like that. If they really knew how their kids were going to turn out, if they could roll the clock forward 10 years to see what they're going to get at the end result, they would probably at that moment say no and get their kids out. 
but you can't see into the future. But what these parents need to, to, to be equipped with is through their pastor and through you maybe is to talk about some of these issues. You know, you can help your friends. So look into the public school system for them and help them to be, to understand how dangerous it is to leave their kids in the public school. There is no school, there's, there's just no way that these children will ever get a biblical worldview education in a church. And that's part of the curriculum that I love with our public school exit. All of the, the curriculum that we suggest or offer on our website is biblically based, because here's the problem. There's lots of great material out there, but why would you want to teach your, continue to teach your kids outside of public school a secular education? What made America great is that we were a we're a biblical nation. We started off with God. We need to end well with God. <laughs> and so, again, for those parents, it's just no excuse good enough. It's just that right now they don't have enough understanding of how dangerous the public schools are, and that they need you for. Well, Sandy, I want to tag on to that as I see that you're from Colorado. Um, I'm not an expert on homeschooling in, in uh, all 50 states, but uh, I know that there is a homeschoolers association in Colorado. There's also um, an organization called CHECK, which is one of our strategic partners. It stands for uh, Christian Home Educators of Colorado. And I, I would encourage you, if you encounter this question, to refer people to those organizations where they can get information. In Colorado, there are actually lots of opportunities uh, for alternatives to the government schools that a lot of people don't even know about, uh, in, including uh, an organization called, uh, I think it's a BOCES, B-O-C-E-S. So, and then in some states, there's uh, uh, there's progress being made on vouchers and voucher programs to mm -hmm. where the, the money can follow the child even into Christian education in some places. So, lots of things out there people need to get informed about. But the homeschool association in each state is a good place to start. We've got another caller on the line, uh, and this is Mary calling in from Orlando, Florida. Mary, thank you for your call today. What's your question? Uh, I was just wondering if the churches and Christian colleges should, should get involved in what they call like ballot harvesting, like the, you know, the Democrats have been doing, because a lot of Christians are so, you know, they don't want to get involved or they think it's wrong to be politically, you know, uh, motivated, so to speak. So I just want to know if we should, you know, have some kind of church or Christians start to do those kind of things to get, you know, more Christians involved in voting. I know that they're the ones that I'm sure the evangelicals are the reason that Trump got in back in 2016, but 2020, something went really wrong, as we know. Mm. Yes. Well, great question. Dran, what do you think? Well, I, you know, this is a, those, one of those questions that I wish you didn't ask, <laughs> but it's actually a hard question. And let me say that there are two sides to this coin on ballot harvesting and also in early voting. So early voting is all about, you've got 30 day voting, showing your hand. It's like you're playing at playing cards and you're gonna show your hands to them as to who's, who's being voted for, because they're gonna open up your ballots 30 days prior to the actual end of the election. That's not the way our country was, you know, handled elections. The day of voting is when people should show up. This is the stand I've had to take because I know it's a hard stand. People don't oftentimes want to hear it, 
But again, I don't like early voting because you're showing your hand and they can manipulate right now the elections through algorithms. And unfortunately, they are saying, Son, there's two sides of this. Well, those elections were very fair. I still don't understand how Biden got more votes than Obama did, 80 million votes. I don't think anybody on, certainly on the conservative side, was under, really understanding how that happened. So we're, I'm just coming from the standpoint of if our government is that, um, I guess the word is they are quite corrupt, I wouldn't put it past them to have manipulated the elections. So regarding ballot harvesting, which is ballot collecting in the churches, I have many good pastors that are doing that right now. In fact, the church that I go to is ballot collecting, but I did not suggest that to them. And the reason why is because your ballot is your precious possession, and it's called chain of custody. When you when you write your ballot, which is a mail-in ballot, which really shouldn't be what we're doing, we should be going to the polls to do our in-person uh, ballot we, with a voter ID. That's what we should be doing. But yet we're getting these mail-in ballots, which is how you can manipulate the elections. And we're, hand, we're handwriting it. They're not checking the signature. Then we're handing it over to someone who then is then hopefully taking it on time to the registrar voters office and turning it over. And then once it gets there, you have a bunch of people then who are now going to open the box and sort it, open the ballot, sort it, maybe check signature. Oh, that doesn't look good. We need to rewrite it. It's called chain of custody. I'm going to say no to it. I think it's wrong. It's outlawed in many states, but the Democrats are doing it in many other states as well. So that's my position, and that's where I have to stand. Well, thank you, Dran, and thank you, Mary, for your call. We've got a minute 40 left, and uh, so it's been just a real honor and a treat to have Dran Reese uh, with us today on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. And uh, again, Dran is the founder and president of Salt and Light Council, um, Public School Exit, and uh, biblicalvoter.com. Lots and lots of resources. What a power-packed show we've had today. I want to mention just real quickly um, on the ballot harvesting that it's not legal in some states, but where it is, like here in my home state of Colorado, uh, it, it's, uh, it's something that I think we've got to wise up and take advantage of if we're going to win these elections. We're going to have to do that. It doesn't, the, the, the system is not good. We we shouldn't have it in the first place and we need to fight to change it. Uh, but um, where it's legal, we want to do it ethically is just my view. But other than that, I don't think I disagreed with anything Dran said today. So <laughs> Dran, it's been awesome having you on. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Richard. It was a pleasure and I enjoyed myself very much. Amen. Well, that's awesome. Well, guys, I wanted to remind you uh, that we have coming up here um, at the ministry, the Healing is Here conference right around the corner, August 8th through the 12th. It's uh, uh, always a massive turnout for that event. If you need healing in your body or a loved one needs it, there's nowhere better that you can be than Healing is Here, August 8th through the 12th. And you can check that out on awmi.net. I want to thank CTN for carrying our broadcast and also thank you to all of our partners and members here at Truth and Liberty. You make this possible. And uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow at 3.30 p.m. Mountain Time. God bless you. Thanks for watching. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. 
Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.